every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. You heard the man. Mel, it's Todd, it's Chris. First Draft is here. We are going to run through the best weapons, pass catchers, running backs, hybrids, flex backs in this draft. Before that, find us on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe, rate, and review yeah, sure, it helps us, but it also helps you get the podcast before anybody else. So, come on. Help help me help you here. Todd, you're back from the Senior Bowl. I saw one yes. of the guys that rose on your rankings. It was a guy named Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, to me, is kind of that one of the perfect guys to bring up as we look at the weapons in this draft. Pass catchers, running backs who can catch, running backs who can run. The famous McShay uh, satellite team, great players in space. Debo it looks like a pretty packed guy who can catch it. Where does he stack up in terms of your best weapons in this draft? Well, I, you know, he's he's an interesting case because he had the the injury a couple years ago. And I don't think he got back to full strength and also in full shape until probably midway through this past season. And if you look at... His production in the second half of the year, he, he was a lot more consistent and explosive than he was earlier. The, the question you got to figure out is why did it take that long? You know, and, and he does tend to get a little bit bigger. And, you know, there are parts of that that are good. I mean, he's breaking tackles, he's a strong guy, but if, if he's in full shape like he was late in the season and at the Senior Bowl, you're talking about a guy, in my opinion, who's one of the five, six best pass catchers in in college football or in this draft class. And we've we've seen the flashes. I thought he was awesome at the Senior Bowl. I, I thought you got to see him in, in peak form and what he can be in terms of a vertical route runner, a guy who can work out of the slot, get open, create after the catch. I, I also think he has ability in the return game if he wants to do that as well. So to me, I, I think he's one of the, again, one of the five or six best weapons in this draft class if you've got him in peak form. Mel, who is a Debo Samuel <clears throat> contemporary where you just look at the guy and you say, he can do this, he can do that, um, he can run, he can catch? Who else is in that category of kind of all-purpose weapons? In the draft this year, because I think in Todd Solom, uh, Tony Pollard at Memphis, you had all those kickoff returns uh, down at Memphis. He had two in 2016 return for touchdowns. He had four in 2017 when he averaged, I think, of like 40 yards a kick return and led the nation. He's been used in a lot of ways at Memphis, and he's the kind of guy, I think, with his hands and his ability to catch the football, get into the backfield, can do some things. You saw Penny Hart down there, Todd. You raved about him, and he had yep. a really good year. But this is a kid in high school was a slot receiver, a running back, and a quarterback. And he's, he averaged 17 six a punt return this past year. He had what you know over 200 career receptions. Uh, he had the injury back in 2000, and I think it was like 16. I think it was when he had the injury. Uh, and then of course he How came. How does he back wind up that. at Georgia State? 
Amazing. Yeah, I, I think he was one of those little guys who they was a quarterback, didn't really know probably what to do with yep. him. But when he was healthy, he was a dynamic player. And as I said, in 2016, he had the hamstring injury. Then he had the, I think it was a broken foot after the hamstring. So 2016 was kind of wiped out because of injury. But then he comes back and he has the two productive years. After in 2015, as a freshman right out of high school, Todd and Chris, he had nine catches for 128 yards against Oregon. He had seven catches in 2017 against Penn State. And he goes down there, and he does a great job. Now, he was a little quiet in the game, but Andy Isabella is the kid who didn't have a great week. I thought, Todd, just watching You're down there watching him ground level. No, he looked like he, was, looked like he was pressing. We talked about him, a little, maybe a little uptight, trying to do too much. But in the game... He played well. He did what he did at UMass. He was electric. He, he after the catch, running hard, looked like Danny Amendola. He, he, he to me helped him. Hunter Renfro, another gamer out of Clemson. You put the, the the game situations. Hunter Renfro emerges. So I thought in the game, Isabella and Renfro during the week, it was Penny Hart. Guys, I'll give you a stat. Alvin Kamara over the last two years, as a rookie, he caught eighty-one passes, borderline slot receiver at times last year he catches another 81 passes we saw saquon barkley come into the league catch a ton of passes this year you know i have it right in front of me running backs in 2018 in the nfl caught 2749 passes um just a huge total that's three almost 400 more than 10 years ago this time who are the running backs this year Todd, I'll let you start here. Who are the running backs this year who you see, you know, they can run the ball, but they also are going to be guys that you think are going to be good in front of the jugs machine during this process and are guys that are going to be weapons in the passing game as well. Yeah, I don't know that we have any Kamaras or or Saquons in this class, but I think Josh Jacobs is probably a little underrated in, in that area. I mean, his ability to work out of the slot, he can catch the ball effectively. He's an explosive runner coming out of Alabama. I think that that's going to help his cause and probably will, will wind up being a big factor in why he's the first back taken, if that's the case, which I think it will be. Um, David Montgomery from Iowa State has some ability. I mean, he's not a huge weapon kind of after the catch and all of that. He's not going to run away from you, but... But um, he had 22 catches this past year at Iowa State and, and is reliable in that regard. Travion Williams uh, from Texas A&M does a really good job catching the ball. He's versatile, and uh, he just he understands how to run routes, how to get open underneath. Tony Pollard, who uh, Mel just mentioned, had 39 catches this past year, and basically was a receiver that, that was used at running back, and, and his versatility really stood out at the Senior Bowl. It stood, stands out on tape. And then he, the... He's got a little bit more juice than I thought when just studying the tape. Seeing him live versus all the other backs, uh, he just, he, when he got the ball, it was a different speed than the other backs that, that were at the senior ball. And it wasn't a great group, but still, you, you look for those sorts of things. And I think Pollard coming out of Memphis is, is probably going to be a player that as we get closer and closer and teams start to evaluate, hey, we need a guy that can do a little bit of everything to help us with our roster and to keep, keep guys on the field. I think Pollard's going to see his, his uh, draft stock start to rise. Another guy I'd say is Miles Gaskin. You know, he's undersized coming out of Washington. He was in that two-back rotation past, well, really this past year, the past couple of years, to a lesser extent two years ago. But he can he's an underrated pass catcher. And just talking to their coaches and 
you know, in practices that they, what they see is a running routes and the ability to go catch the ball in traffic for a, a undersized guy. I think Miles Gaskin will, is probably a, you know, mid round pick, maybe early day three, somewhere in that range is going to be a guy that brings some versatility. Mel, what's going to happen with Bryce Love, who, if we went into this season, we would have said maybe this is the number one weapon on the board, period. Obviously, injuries have taken their toll on him physically and obviously his draft stock. But again, if you saw him in the open field, the kind of, you know, the, the anomaly with him was you would have thought, oh, this guy is going to be a multi purpose weapon like Christian McCaffrey, who came before him and is, is used again, kind of in that Kamara mm-hmm. role. And yeah, Bryce Love didn't really catch that many passes at Stanford, so there's a little bit of a mystery there. What, what do you make of him? Where do you think he ends up? He's the kind of the mysterious player in this draft because you, know, you look at the injury late as well as what he was banged up with, the prevention from by the injury of being, him becoming more of a receiver, which they had thought he would be because he wasn't the previous year, and you wanted to see a little bit more of that. So it really never came together. He had that brilliant season running the ball where you thought, no way, he's going to be that all-purpose dynamo, and he was never able to showcase that. So you really don't know. Um, and obviously the durability. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, you know Bryce Love is a multifaceted young man. He's got a lot of things that he brings to the table. But as a football player, I think he drops a little bit bit uh you know maybe Todd what do you think third round maybe does he get into the third round um you know maybe maybe second we'll see but I think he's a guy certainly not as highly regarded just to piggyback what Todd said about some of these guys Daryl Henderson's another one at Memphis who uh, you know can catch run do a lot of things made a lot of ton of big plays at Memphis and to David Montgomery at Iowa State only one fumble, I had as of November 3rd, only one fumble loss in 460 plus uh, carries. And you go to Jalen Hurd's another one out of Baylor, was a Tennessee, yeah, was a, a running one. back. You know, he's considered the hardest worker on the Tennessee team, hardest worker at Baylor. Everybody loves his attitude, his character, what he brings there. And you know, he's a you know, long, athletic, big kid, former, I say former running back. And when he was a Tennessee Todd, everybody thought, boy, this kid's going to be one will of a running back prospect. Then he goes to Baylor and he's a receiving entity and he merges there, so he's one of those versatile guys. Xavier Yabosi from UAB really came on uh, as the season went along. There's a Juco kid, Todd. Two catches or fewer in eight games, but he has five touchdowns in three games. He has that great Boca Raton Bowl against Northern Illinois. He's a big kid at 6'3", about 215. Big hands, strong hands, long arms. Somebody's going to like him. I'm actually to see what he works out and how he does there. Your guy, James Williams at Washington State, Chris, catches the ball out of the oh, backfield, yeah. does a lot from a versatility standpoint as well. So I think there's a lot of those guys that, uh, that give you a, a lot of dimensions to their game. I like how Mel throws in that he had a great Boca Raton Bowl. Cut that, Josh. I don't think that's ever been said before. Hey, guys, the one name, as we kind of try to wrap running backs here, I want to talk about the receivers, but the one name, Todd, that we didn't really talk about, as this versatile threat is arguably, you know, some teams might have him as the number one running back in this draft. That's Damian Harris from Alabama. I guess it's fair to say you see him as more of the traditional back, and we'll see what's there in terms of pass catching. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I think he's reliable. I think you can count on him, you know, dumping the ball underneath, swing routes, those sorts of things. I, I just never saw a guy that was – really moving around and, and running routes from the slot or creating mismatches down the field or anything like that. I will say this, he's a good he's a good pass protector. So you, you've got that. You know he can be in for three downs. He can contribute, like I said, as an outlet. But, um, but I think Josh Jacobs is a little bit more versatile in that regard in terms of pass catching and, and being able to just being more comfortable in space. 
You know, it's funny, Todd, but you know, this was one, this was part of why you had Ezekiel Elliott so high a couple of years ago. I guess a few years ago now, but people always talk about value in the passing game when it comes to running backs, and we fans default to think, oh, that means how good he is as a pass catcher. Whereas the coaches are like, no, 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 I can't even have him on the field if he can't protect. Right. And especially when it's. You know, teams are, are running, are throwing the ball about twice as much as they're running it now. Right. So, you know, you've got to be able to. It's not like in the old days where you could come on the field for first and second down and then come off. Like there's just there's too the tendencies aren't there anymore, and and the pass game is is taken over. You've got to be able to, you got to be able to at least be in the right position and slow a guy down. You know. Yeah. You, you're not going to have every back that's able to to hang in there with a 240-pound charging linebacker, but you've got to be able to cut a guy or at least get in good position to slow him down so that your quarterback relies on you to be where you need to be. I always think back to a guy, even as the Patriots were evolving offensively you know, from the early 2000s through the you know Randy Moss and then kind of turned into an offensive juggernaut, Kevin Falk stuck around for a long time through all that, and part of the reason was because you could keep him on the field. <laughs> Um, yep. but yeah, just, to, just to go to Damian Harris, just a couple things. He's a guy that's kind of fallen back, and I, I understand why Josh Jacobs is the kind of the the hot guy right now. He's the guy that everybody said, oh, he's going to be the first one. We had talked about him, and they, Nick Saban says he's the most explosive back we had. He said that back in October. They had mentioned that during the game. And you saw that, that Josh Jacobs was a talented kid. Damian Harris, I wouldn't sleep on him. I, I just a like, highly respected kid, great kid. You know, he's got everything you'll want as he blocks and pass protection. He'll catch the ball, but he's had, you know, in seven games in 2017, he had runs of 30 or more yards. Of those in three games, 60 plus yards. Uh, you know, he's got the size. He's got, he got a little big, maybe, maybe you drop a little bit of weight, but not easy to get to the ground. Good body lean. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at this kid, not a lot of tread on the tires. He went back to be the guy and it didn't work out because Jacobs emerged and he had Najee Harris and they went to more of a pass oriented attack. So what, what he went back for, it didn't happen. But by, from an NFL standpoint, you got to be kind of happy that it was more, uh, more guys than just him. Other guys getting the opportunities and also them throwing the ball as much as they did, that Damian Harris comes into this draft, I think, a little underrated, considering where he was in August, where he was after last season. It seems like we've kind of pushed him down like he's just another guy, and everybody's raving about Josh Jacobs, which is fine, but like I said, if Josh Jacobs goes first or second round, Damian Harris can't go too much further down than that. Yeah, I'll say this. I, I just went back and restudied their offensive tape, and um he he's a hard charging back. If there's a crease there, if there's a blocked yard there, he's going to get it. And like you said, he's he's going to finish strong. He's going to fall forward. He's going to pick up that extra yard or two at the end. But what I don't see a ton of, and I think this is what's kind of the struggle with him, because he he does do everything else, and he is going to work for you, and he is going to block. But he doesn't create a whole lot of yards on his own, and I think that's a, a little bit of a worry, especially with some of these Alabama backs that. You know, it, it's their offensive line isn't great, but it's a good group, and they're typically, you know, most weeks they're controlling the line of scrimmage, and there's creases to be had and, and yards to be had if if you can get there. And he's got good vision; he knows when to hit it. He hits it hard, and he's he's really quick and explosive through the Is hole. He kind of like Mark Ingram, Todd. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know if he's quite as talented, but I think he's he's in a similar regard where you know Ingram. If the yards are there, he's gonna he's gonna. 
drop his pads, he's going to fly through the hole, and he's going to pick up what yards are available to get. By the way, Mark Ingram, uh, for Taps similarly, was a guy people thought oh, he could be in round two, and the team ended up taking him late in round one. Guys, I want to transition to wide receivers. And, Mel, I'll let you start mm-hmm. here. Is it possible that Hollywood could go could be the first wide receiver taken in a draft and when he weighs about as much as Chris Brow? Yeah, he could because of today's NFL. Uh, yeah, what's he, five, 165, 168, uh, five, nine, five, nine and a half, whatever he may, I don't even think it matters. Uh, when you watch the kid, uh, yeah, catches a 50 plus yards in seven of the last nine games. That was as of mid-September. And he obviously having Kyler there after having Baker, you had the right quarterbacks, but tremendous game changer, good hands. What I like that, he obviously gets easy separation. We know that, but he's not just a big play guy, Todd. I think that's the one thing that people don't get that don't watch him. He he will come across the middle. He'll go underneath. Yep. He's not just a one-dimensional go down the field, be a vertical stretch guy. Um, yeah, he's obviously the numbers he puts up. He's been consistent. He was banged up late in the year. I like the kid. I think for today's NFL, he's one of the true you know, change that scoreboard guys that I think can be reliable, can be consistent. Obviously, staying healthy is going to be an issue. Kind of like Kyler at quarterback. Can he be durable? Can Hollywood Brown, who's small, a little bit short, are they, they're short, but they're not small. These guys are short and small. So can Kyler hold up? Can Hollywood Brown hold up? But if they can, they're going to be dynamic. Todd, is Deshaun yeah, I think, Jackson bro, I think with Brown, you're, you're looking for two things right now in the league more than ever. Speed and playmakers. And it sounds so obvious, but and one should have to do with the other, but just because you have a speed doesn't necessarily mean you're a dif- difference maker or playmaker. This guy makes plays. And if you, I, I think he's, I would have to go back, but at least in the last five years, I'm talking pure play speed. Forget what he's going to run in 40. I have no idea. He may not be a track guy. He may, he may be. I, I'm not sure. But what I do know is, from my eyes, I think he's the fastest player I've evaluated in probably the last five years. Hey, so term- you get a guy who is a difference maker and has that kind of play speed. I just, you know, I, I get that he's small. The durability is going to be frustrating. It is going to hurt him a little bit. And then it's going to be some teams that look at him and say, well, we're going to be able to get him off the line of scrimmage and teams are going to press him and this, that, and the other thing. We'll figure it out. You know, figure out ways. Motion to move him around, stacks, bunches, different. There are different ways to get him loose. And once he does get going, forget it. Todd, just just help us out with a comp for a lot of people who haven't seen this. I'm, I'm trying to think of the scale here of guys that we like to say, that guy's amazing, how will he last? But I think of Deshaun Jackson, Teddy Ginn even. But even a recent one like T.Y. Hilton is a pretty slight dude. Um, these guys have found a way to make it work. Yeah, I think I think Deshaun Jackson's a, a pretty good comp. You know, it's, it's a decent comp. I'd, I'd have to go and look at his exact size, but an undersized, slight guy with explosive speed who got it done at a high level for a long time. I mean, he he definitely wore down towards the end and and all that. But when he was when he was going, mm-hmm. there were very few playmakers like him in the league. Yeah, I would say Deshaun Jackson's a perfect comp. That, that's pretty much you know on target as far as the, what he was coming out of Cal. I'm as, here for uh, the perfect comps, man. In regards, you, you're a comp man. Yes. No question about that. Hey, let's flip it. Let's flip it though. On the other side of this, in the in the uh, in the welterweight division of wide receivers, Todd, I got in Keel Harry, AJ Brown, yeah, Anthony big Johnson group, might qualify. We got some big guys in this. Who, who is the AJ guy? Brown who is the and, guy you want to post DK. up? 
DK Metcalf and AJ Brown are both big dudes. Metcalf's even bigger than Brown. I was surprised just to see him in person this year when we sat down and met with him. He is a big dude. I mean, he almost looks like a tight end, mm-hmm. and he can he can run and play. Uh, if he's healthy, I think he's an underrated player in this class. Uh, but you go down the list; those two guys from old from old Miss, JJ Arcega Whiteside from from Stanford's a big wide receiver. Um, Riley Ridley's not, I wouldn't call him, I think he's like 6'2 or something, but he's a thicker guy who you can put in the slot and create some mismatches there. Um, you've got Hakeem Butler, another probably 6'4 wide receiver out of Iowa State, and Akil Harry, like you mentioned, from Arizona State, Kelvin Harmon, the underclassman who came out from North Carolina State. All those guys are in that 6'2 to 6'5 range. Yeah. Talking about a really big group of, of wide receivers that, and all of them could wind up going in the first, I don't know, four rounds. So they're not just big guys. They're, they're talented guys that were all productive uh, at their respective schools. Yeah, Paris Campbell's going to probably be 6'1", 208, Todd. So he's not a little guy uh, from Ohio yep. State. And Emmanuel Butler at Northern Arizona is a kid going to go late probably. But the Lumberjacks came back at a really good year, 6'3", 6'4", about 220. I mentioned Xavier Yabosi at UAB. He's about 6'3", 215, 218. Uh, so there are a lot of those guys in this draft that are the big receivers. Keelan Doss is a big kid out of Cal Davis. A lot of big guys. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Stills, Hall's got speed. He's not. Yeah. He's not thick, but the Missouri receiver. He is a burner, and he he's tall and lean. But he's he can go up and get it. It's it's just funny. This is an interesting class, Todd. You know, we didn't even mention uh, Terry McLaurin, the guy who was absolutely flying down in Mobile in practice. You saw him. Um, I think you noted something that they had him. They had him timed at running 22 miles an hour, which would have been the fastest time. I, I tracked the next-gen stats. That would have been the fastest time in the NFL this season. That's absolutely flying. You're talking about Yeah, 22.2 miles an hour. He was the, the fastest player at the Senior Bowl this year. Is that, um, the Zebra technology, I think it was. Yeah, you're talking about in some of these guys that can fly. I, I thought about it with McLaurin, but it's like you wonder why nobody's ever returning punts. McLaurin's catching the punts. I mean, he's just always down there as a gunner. Hey, Mel – Wanted to look at the tight ends, also weapons. Obviously, we have a couple at Iowa, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant. We've talked about them a little bit. I'm interested to think about where where Irv Smith is going to go, who came out early from Alabama. Um, just because of the way that offense worked, he didn't pile up tons and tons of targets uh, just because of the greatness they have at wide receiver. Obviously, Josh Jacobs caught a few balls. Where is Irv Smith going to land when this is all said and done? I think he could be, depending upon. That's the thing with the combine for so many underclassmen is going to be really important. But I think he could go in the late first round or you know, at the worst, the second round. I, I like Irv Smith. I like them all along. And uh, I think that's where he would figure along with TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson from Iowa is probably the most intriguing guy because he's big. He can run. He can get down the field. He's tough. He plays with an attitude, plays with a chip. Um, yeah, he's not Gronkowski. That comparison is always exaggerated, but he gives you a little bit of that. He'll block. Uh, I think TJ Hawkinson's the best all-around tight end. Caden Smith's a good player at Stanford. It depends upon what he runs. Uh, that's going to be important for Smith. Noah Fant's the athletic kid who wasn't as productive as Hawkinson, but certainly has a lot of talent. Tommy Sweeney, Boston College, is kind of the senior who kind of gets lost with all the underclassmen in the shuffle a bit. Um, he had a great week in Mobile. Yeah, Foster Moreau, LSU is another one. Josh Oliver, San Jose State, Drew Sample, Washington. But I, I think to go to Sweeney, Todd, if these juniors, and then testing, obviously, Caden Smith's going to be the one. The 40 for Caden Smith is going to be really important for him. But I think Tommy Sweeney, is he a second-round guy? 
Uh, I think if he runs well enough, I mean, it doesn't have to be great. If, but I, I think third round is probably like right now. If I had to guess, I would say third. But it won't shock me if he goes second. He he catches everything. I know his tight end coach. It was my tight end coach in in college, R- Richmond, and he just he's and he would be honest with me. He swears by this kid. One of the mm-hmm. the best, hardest working kids he's ever coached. Loves the game. He's going to do everything. He's going to be in, put in the work, and, and it shows up. He's just he, he from the blocking to route running. He just was technically sound and found ways to separate. And um, he may not run the fastest time or be the most athletic of them, but. He, he's a guy that you can rely on to block and to be a short to intermediate pass catcher who occasionally can, can get down on the seam and, and make a play when the ball's in the air. Mel, what do we make of Dawson Knox, a guy from Ole Miss? I, I mean, you guys obviously know better than me. It just feels like we're talking about this as a really deep tight end class. And is he another one of these guys where maybe you get him in round three and you feel like in some years you would have got him early round two? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm looking at Knox. Uh, you talk about underclassmen. He's one of, I have it right now, of the top seven tight ends. Six are underclassmen. I don't know how your board goes, Todd. That's, I'm just looking at it now, and it kind of stood out to me when you think about how important the combine is. Knox, one of, uh, he's a seven. I have eight of nine, Mel. You have eight yeah. of nine. Okay, so I'm down to TJ Hawkinson, underclassman, Irv Smith, underclassman, Noah Fant, Caden Smith, Caleb Wilson, UCLA, and Dawson Knox, all underclassmen. The only senior in and that Jay group. Jay Sternberger is, from A&M as right. well. Mm-hmm. Only senior, only, that's why I say would Sweeney get lost in the shuffle with all the, he's the only senior. Then you got Sample Washington, Moreau LSU, Oliver San Jose State, Donald Parham, the kid at Stetson's interest. I saw him, I think it was like a, was it Waldorf during the year? He had a big game and of course then he got hurt. Would he get hurt at the senior bowl practice, Todd? Parham? Yeah, he did on uh, yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, so he's a kid who's kind of a wild card that maybe you take late uh, and take a chance with. Maybe day three, some point on day three, we'll probably be talking about Parham from Stetson. But I think, again, do we know, can we can we verify any times for underclassmen at this stage? No, we can't. So we, we're just guessing. We you get, go by what you hear from a school. He's going to run this. He's going to run that. What do you think Knox runs, Todd? Uh, four sevens? If he runs four seven, he's gonna go no later in the third round, I think. Uh, you know, and I think that's again where Caden Smith, I go back to him, I like the kid. He's a good all around. Does Caden Smith, does he run four eight five? What's what's his forty time gonna be? How how fast is Smith? Sweeney, what are you estimating for Tommy Sweeney right now, Todd? If you had a guess, the best guess right now. Four eight five. Right in the four eights. If he ran four eight, he's a second round pick. Wow. Put it I on think. the board. I think if he runs four eight or better, he's a second round pick. The kid, and I, I really think Smith runs four eight or better. He'll go pretty high. Uh, yeah, the, the one and I get to Hawkinson. What do you think Hawkinson runs, Todd? Does he run? I 4-7? think he's going to surprise us. Four, I think six, he's going to run four seven. What's that? So four seven, four six five. Yeah, and I, I, I would guess in that range. I think he's at least from a play speed standpoint. I know he's not quite as fast as Fant, but he's significantly bigger stronger and better blocker uh, and i think i go like dallas goddard what did he run last year God, I, I think around four seven i think he runs back hawkinson runs better than that yeah i think he's right in that range in terms of a guy who can block who has size but also has underrated speed mm-hmm. it's a good group that, that's a that's a nice group of tight ends and and at, at the top you'd have to say right now two go in the first time Maybe two tight ends in round one. Well, we thought yeah, Goddard would be Hawkins, first. He wasn't. 
Hawkinson would be the one guy that I feel strongly will. Irv Smith and Fan, it wouldn't shock me either way, but I, I'll be shocked if they're not off the board. Right? We get you know get to pick 45, 50. So those three guys in the top 50, and then I think there's going to be, we just mentioned about six other guys that all could go somewhere in that day two range, maybe second to fourth round range. This is a wild draft in the sense that, you know, you take Marquise Brown out of the equation. We just went through about 25 guys that are big, probably pretty fast, and can catch the ball. I mean, it's it, and it's funny because argue, probably none of them will go top 10. There's a decent chance none of them go top 15. But there's just a lot of size and, and wingspan and pass catching that's going to be it's going to be happening down in rounds two, three, and, and four. And also, real quick, Chris, and on the flip side, that is the slot guys. And there's yeah. a, always a lot of those guys. Isabella, Hart. Then you get a Penny Hart, Andy Isabella. You get to John Ursua, Hawaii. There's a lot of guys who are even under the radar at that slot receiver position that's so critical. And a lot of these guys that you've seen have success in the NFL didn't even get drafted, some of them. So yeah. I think these guys will. I'll go out, Todd, just a guess. I think Andy Isabella goes in the third round. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna bet the under. I, I would I would venture fourth round right now, but it, I'm not far off of what you're saying. I think he's gonna come out. He, one he's of the a gamer. Players. It's funny. It, like I right. was getting frustrated watching him during practice. He was struggling to get off of press. <laughs> he he, too, he he was just choppy getting out of his breaks. It looked like you said like he was trying too hard, or maybe we just overrated him because of because of the quality of play. Uh, he had a couple drops, which you don't normally see from him. He just didn't look like himself. But then he comes out, and as you said, he has a, a really good game. And some guys are just gamers. Todd, he had 15 so catches it, for 214 yards between the hedges at Athens and two touchdowns against Georgia. He had a, a, yeah. a, the Florida game. He's done it against SEC competition. No, you're he right. Did it in, you're right. He did it in the game. Hey, when the bell rings, who shows up? I don't care. Practice. It's Allen Iverson. Practice. Practice is for guys who hopefully translate it to the game. Some guys can't translate it to the game. Isabella does. He's gonna. They say that he was the fastest player on a UMass team. Okay, by a wide mark. So we'll see. Does he run into four threes? If he runs a four three five four three eight with his You're competitiveness, crazy four threes. I'm just saying. Don't put that bar too high for him. I'm wow. just saying. So he's one at the Andy com- Isabella is a four three going in round. Three. I'll I'm say this. The under on I'll, I'll say four four, and I would take the under. All right, guys, if we're going to answer mail back. Four four flat or better than then I'll give you your third round. All thank day, you. Thank wow, you. that thank sounds like a there. take five. What are we talking about? We'll answer your mailbag questions in a moment. First, I want to tell you about edible arrangements. Listen up. Valentine's Day isn't the time for rookie moves. Leave it to the pros at edible arrangements. It's the freshest fruit married with finest chocolate, artfully arranged to make a big impression. And with over 20 decadent Valentine's Day gifts and arrangements to choose from, you don't have to be exclusive. doesn't make a difference. It's for that special someone or all of your special someone's. When you feel love, share love with edible arrangements. Stand out from the crowd this Valentine's Day. It pays to plan ahead. Order by February 10th and make take 20% off all pickup orders over $50. Stop by your local edible arrangements and experience love at first bite or order online and have it delivered at edible.com. We got mail. We got a ton of it. All right, since we've been on the topic, Usain Boris, at Usain Boris, asks, Mel, I'll let you take this one. How high could the Iowa tight ends go? Is the top 10 a possibility? Top 10? Top 10. 
Ooh, I had Hawkinson, and I don't know where Todd's going to put him in this mock. I had Hawkinson 19, uh, I had Irv Smith 27. Um, no, I don't think top 10. That would surprise me if a tight end went that high. Now, if Hawkinson runs on you know, the four sixes, uh, you know, maybe they think, hey, look at Gronk. And Gronk was a second-round pick more so because of the injury concern coming out of Arizona, I think was the back. But, uh, it, you know, Hawkinson top 10 I think is a little rich, but I, I think certainly mid-first round not out of the question. Like I said, I have him going right now at, uh, at pick number 19. Todd, you can take this one because you just saw this guy up close. Neil Stevenson at Neil Salmon 71 says, does Montez Sweat do enough in the Senior Bowl week to get into the top 20? I think there's a strong possibility. I really do. I, I think he's kind of an underrated player. Um, you've got length. He's got a lot more shock in his hands than, than people give him credit for. He's He's not great versus the run, but he's disruptive. He can get off blocks. Uh, he's not going to set a hard edge and, and anchor and all of that. But if you can rush the quarterback and you have his kind of length, speed, and athleticism, uh, I think – I don't even know that he has to have a, an exceptional workout. But if he puts up numbers that kind of equate to what you see on tape in terms of speed and athleticism, I, I think he could easily be a top-20 pick in a group that mm-hmm. obviously we've talked a lot about is loaded with – uh, defensive lineman this year. Yeah, yeah back kind of, in yeah, back in late September, I mean, he's the eighth best player on the big board. He had four and a half sacks over the first four games. Then he had a, a, a stretch of I think seven games where he had only two sacks, and he had a couple sacks against Ole Miss. But yeah, I think he's got talent. Uh, getting after the quarterback, he didn't dominate throughout the year, game to game, like you would hope, having Simmons inside and Sweat outside. But uh, the question now is, who do you think goes higher, Todd? Simmons or Sweat? You still think Simmons? I think Simmons. I think Simmons will. There's obviously the the off the field stuff and we can get into that another time but um but there's going to be a team he's too talented i mean i i I think he's one of the five most talented players in this draft so even if he falls a little bit i think he's still Mm -hmm. in that top 10 range and i think i think sweat will probably be somewhere 10 to 20 before it's all said and done hey mel grab this one Mm -hmm. bub i can't even figure out this title bubbing the bub Jeez. Who are the small linebackers slash big safeties that can play and cover the tight end spot in this draft? Anybody stick out? Linebackers like the, the Dayon Buchanan type guys, I guess, which you're trying to, to get to as far as linebackers that have that kind of versatility to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Chase Hansen at Utah was a safety. Became a linebacker. I wrote him up on ESPN.com this year as a guy I thought moving up a little bit, Todd. Like the way he finds the football. Gary Johnson at Texas, one of the fastest linebackers in the country. He had a really productive year uh, doing a lot of good things. Uh, I think when you look at, at where Hanson could go, I'd probably say right now third round uh, in that particular range is where I would expect him to come off the board. He would probably be the one that jumps out at me the most as a guy who really, for today's NFL, running to the ball, great versatility, played safety, played linebacker, played them both very effectively. Uh, I think Chase Hansen from Utah would fit the category as, as the Dayon Buchanan, the, today's guy who goes probably a little higher than people think. Maybe gets into the second round if he does uh, work out well. Todd, you can grab this one. That, at that Oz Cruz ask. He even, he even singled out McShay here, Mel. That's a little mm-hmm. bit of a disrespect. Very good. Hey, not guys, fine. with the 49ers needing a pure edge rusher and not necessarily an interior D lineman, what's the drop-off from Bosa and Allen to whoever the next guy is. Um, I mean, there's definitely a drop off. I think, I think Rashawn Gary is going to wind up running in like a four six at 280 pounds, and he's going to go pretty high. And I know that he wasn't, he didn't have the sack production, um, 
but when healthy, he's, between the power and the speed that he brings, he's, he's a player. Defensive line coaches are going to look at and say, you know what, I, there's so much here to mold. Um, so I, I think he could be one of the next edge guys. Cleveland Furl is um, coming out of Clemson. I think he's really good. I don't know that he's elite elite. But he's got a quick first step. He's really good with his hands getting off of blocks. Uh, I think he, and, and he's been so productive the last two years at, at Clemson. And I know, you know, he gets some one-on-ones because of the inside guy and all, guys and all that. But still, teams are trying to stop him, and, and he was still finding ways to produce. So I think those are probably two of the next guys. And we mentioned Montez Sweat. So there is a drop-off, I think, but it's not this massive drop-off in terms of the talent at the top of the draft. Yeah, real quick, a couple. there's a Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside at Miami. Miami Hurricane players kind of are flying a little under the radar. The coaching change, didn't play have the year expected, beaten by LSU early, all those things. But Joe Jackson going from the outside, and Gerald Willis III coming from the inside, formerly of Florida, got everything together, had that great year with the Hurricanes. I think Gerald Willis and, and Joe Jackson, both Miami Hurricanes, are a little under-publicized, I would say, coming into this draft process. By the way, I don't know where you have them, but... You know, Anthony Nelson from Iowa is no slouch too, isn't it? I mean, there's there's a lot of really good players on that, and it's Todd Sweat. You know, Todd said, you know, you mentioned Montez Sweat. You just never know what team if if there is a team that really believes he's one of the you know five ten best players in the draft. You know, you can never be surprised if a guy goes so high. Mel, mm-hmm. this is a fun one for you. At Rodriguez eight thirty one says, would you take a QB at number four if you were in the Raiders' position? Well, obviously, he's talking about Haskins or Murray. They're the only two that you would consider that high. Or Minshew, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> or Minshew. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, always the Washington State Cougar reference there. Um, I would say it's a possibility. It depends. It, uh, he had one year, John did, with Derek Carr. And, yeah, they didn't have a lot of help there. They were starting two rookies. One at left tackle was bothered by an injury and played through it. A rookie from North Carolina A&T at right tackle. Um Receiving entities, obviously, after trading Amari Cooper. So I think, yeah, are you going to, do you think Derek Carr, he's going to have to look at it this way. I got to exchange points with Patrick Mahomes. I got to beat Kansas City for the next, he's got a 10 year deal. Now he's got a nine year deal, right? For next nine years of my contract, Patrick Mahomes is only going to be 32. So he's going to, when my contract's up, he's still only going to be 32, 33, okay? He's 23 right now. I got to try to beat him or else I'm going to be a wild card every year. I got no better chance of being in the playoffs other than a wild card unless I can go toe to toe with Andy Reid, who'll probably coach till he's 75, 80 now because he's 60 now. You know, he's got Mahomes and Andy being the offensive guru and the advantage that Arrowhead provides. They'll build bolster the defense. I gotta beat this team with Patrick Mahomes, who John Gruden loved coming out. I gotta believe he's, it's all about his assessment of Derek Carr. It, it, I don't know what he's thinking on that. Todd, I don't know. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, do you take him at four? One of the two will be, I don't know what Murray looks like. He's all in for football. We'll see. Um, I know he's going to be enamored with Murray. He likes those kinds of quarterbacks. Um, Haskins may be gone if somebody trades up like the Giants or somebody else, the one or two and takes Haskins. He's picking it four. It, I, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a mind reader. I don't know how he feels about Derek Carr. That's what it really boils down to. How, what's the, what does he feel the ceiling is for Derek Carr will determine this pick? We'll just call him the night before the draft, and I'm sure he'll tell you exactly what he's going to do before your final mock. Nope. Nope. Hey, Todd, I like this question because it it is interesting given the trajectory of this guy. Do you think Josh Allen, with only one year 
of huge college production is worthy of this conversation of being in there for the number one pick. To her point, I'll point out, Josh Allen, 17 sacks this past season, handful of forced fumbles as a part of that, uh, seven sacks last year, seven sacks the year before that. So he'd gotten to the quarterback. This year he obviously broke out. Are you going to go back to that tape, I assume you will, and try to assess if there's some smoke and mirrors that happened this year or if you just think this guy made the leap? No, I think he made the leap. And I've, I've gone back and did the tape in the offseason. I, I thought he was like an early second-round pick, maybe late first, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And I thought he had to improve his hands and become more consistent in terms of countering as a pass rusher and, and, and working through contact, and I think he did that. I think he – well, I don't know what he did, but I'm sure that he self-assessed and looked at it and – and in the off season, got with the strength and conditioning coach or whoever he did, and, and figured out how to how to become more explosive with his hands and and, and get a little stronger in that area. And he and he did it. So to me, um, the more I watch of Allen, the more I like of him. And I think I don't know that he's going to be the number one overall pick. I, I think you still have Bosa, and you've got some other guys along the interior um, with with Simmons, as we talked about, and Quinn and Williams from from Alabama. But I think he's absolutely going to be in the top 10 overall and I, and I think it's you know 14 sacks in two years in the SEC it's not like that's not terrible production it's just right. that he took it to such another level this past year guys let's call it a day there obviously the big one you're going to want to turn into next week not that this one wasn't a gem but next week's first draft Todd McShay will have a mock we'll get to go through that a bit it'll come out on Thursday uh, to go with Todd uh, basically doing 67 TV shows that day without food or water and also his mock draft being up on ESPN.com. A lot of synergy there. Uh, it's just a lot of suffering for Todd, but oh well. Um, so that'll be next week on the First Draft Podcast. And then, of course, our producer would ask that you go to your favorite podcasting app and you subscribe, rate, and review Five stars is great. It helps us and it helps you again. If you do that, you get the podcast earlier. Mel, any parting shots? No, I can't wait to see the Todd's mock to see, see where Kyler Murray is. No practice there. I like Kyler Murray. Where does Todd we talk Kyler about? Murray in for the first round mock? All right, Todd. Can't get, wait. Get ready. Get hydrated. We'll see you next week. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.